Welcome to The Disappearing Mind, a unique podcast helping you find clarity and support along your dementia journey. Now, join National Dementia Trainer and Coach Don Platt for an all-new episode. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today I'm going to just have a conversation. There are a number of topics that I want to try and get to in and around some of the families that I have worked with over the years and some of the current families that I'm working uh, with throughout my profession. There are a lot of topics that we talk about on the podcast that I think that maybe you hear commonly talked about or maybe people talk about it at your support group. And I love covering those topics. But today I want to talk a little offbeat or off the trail about some other things that you might encounter, most likely you will encounter, in the dementia journey with friends or acquaintances or your parents or perhaps even your spouse. So those are the things that I want to talk about today. And when I do, I am not a physician. I am a person that is considered a dementia expert. I have over 30 years in the field of gerontology, working with people who have dementia. My background is mostly in senior living and senior health care, also rehabilitation. So it's pretty vast. And I have worked with hundreds and thousands of families who have walked the dementia pathway, the dementia journey. And so out of that experience, I just like to talk about some things that I feel like are real that you might encounter. And a lot of times when I'm talking, I just want to inform you so that you can make a good and informed decision. Obviously, you want to make the best decision for your family and for your loved one and what fits your circumstance. So I never try and narrow you in on what that should be. But today there's some things that I just have come across my time with some families and even I have experienced this personally. And and I want to talk about navigating the other side of the dementia journey. And when I say that, obviously we normally talk about the progression of the disease. We talk about some of the changes that occur with our friends or loved one. We talk about the confusion maybe talk about the healthcare path and how you navigate that and what your options are and resources. We certainly always talk about support, support group and choosing a physician and finding a support group and sharing with friends and family what you need to share. But today I want to veer off a little bit and there's some reasons for this. And oftentimes when I'm talking with families or dealing with situation with the families in and around the care that I provide or the oversight that I provide in my profession, these things will come in a cluster. And so I always feel like it's a good opportunity to talk about those things with you and to see if you've encountered them or what you do if you encounter them. Obviously, we're all in different uh, situations, different states in the nation. And so situations can be different. But some of the journeys that we will have to look at and navigate and even consider are things like financial responsibilities and paying bills, uh, arranging for benefit claims and 
making financial or investment type of decisions. And when I say this, I always recommend that if you are the direct person who will be providing care or will be making decisions, obviously the best choice is to engage with an elder law attorney or your family attorney to get some advice to get a power of attorney in place, a guardianship or other things that need to occur. Obviously, you need to have an elder law attorney talk about financial options, and you need to have an understanding of what financial means that there are for them even to work with. But let's back up a little bit to the person who's not quite there and really talk about some of the things that you might be encountering just when you're starting to notice that there's changes or you're just starting to get involved. Obviously, you know, as a family member, especially a a child, son or daughter, um, we don't want to step in too quickly. There is this respect thing that comes into play of when do I start looking at what mom or dad is doing and when do I delve into their bank account and their spending and all of those things. But let's just begin to talk about it because I, I think one of the most frustrating things that I see in helping families walking with individuals who have dementia is that financial responsibility. And what normally happens, and we'll talk about a study here in a little bit, but what normally happens is this is an area that begins to change pretty early on. And that is because obviously short-term memory is the first impacted and people have routines. They might even be very studious about how they handle their bills or financial responsibility or renewals or that sort of thing. But as dementia begins to progress, that begins to decline. And it's not necessarily really noticeable by others, especially if you're not um, in their financial business or nearby, or even if you live out of state. So they may begin to pay bills twice or neglect to pay bills or neglect to open mail or all of those sorts of things. So when I'm talking about financial responsibility and paying bills, I'm talking about those bills that maybe aren't on auto pay or maybe come more frequently. And let me give you an example. So many times when I'm working with families, one of the first things that they notice is that mail will begin to pile up. And Things might happen like their power or their telephone might get turned off because they don't open the mail anymore. And generally, the generation we're talking about doesn't always have automated online payments, which is always a good idea, especially if you don't have to monitor that bill, like an electric bill or a phone bill or things like that that are automated. But you may go and visit and notice that there's a lot of mail that maybe hasn't even been collected or it's piling up. Maybe they get magazines or newspapers and they seem to be piling up, haven't been opened. And that is an early indicator that something is happening. But the other thing, and this is something that recently came up that is can be very frustrating. And especially if you're 
at the stage where you're not really ready to get guardianship or not necessarily ready to put into effect that power of attorney, which really has a timeline on it. And you might want to have those things, but most of the time people don't do that until they get further in to the disease. And it's always a good thing. I don't think you can do it soon enough. But one of the things that I encountered recently was a situation with health insurance and Part B benefits for prescriptions and things like that. In this particular client, um, what happened was this person retired several years ago. They're actually coming up in age, but everything was taken care of and automated year by year. Medicare was renewed and their Part B supplement was renewed and their prescription plan was renewed. Well, apparently this particular person that began to change. And so it wasn't taken out of their retirement plan any longer. They had been retired long enough. So the administrator, however that works, um, it just wasn't being automated. And so it was their responsibility at the beginning each and every year to make arrangements and go ahead and set that up on auto pay through their own account. What happened was is that the family went to pick up a prescription and was told that there was no insurance, which was quite shocking because their mother had had this Part B supplemental insurance for prescriptions really for a very long time, been retired for close to 25 years. And so it's just something that you don't really look at. And come to find out that when they called the insurance company, that the insurance company said that they willfully didn't pay it. So that was very upsetting for the family. It could be upsetting, would be upsetting to me, right? People who have dementia don't willfully neglect anything. They simply have dementia and it's kind of an oversight. And we all have things in our life, bills and from electric bills to our cell phone bill to our landline. If we still have one of those, we have memberships and credit cards and all of that kind of thing. So I wanted to really talk about this today because there's a wide range of things that your parent or loved one may have been paying or may be obligated to or may be something that they've had for years. Maybe you need to cancel that and no longer pay it. Or maybe you need to take a look at their bank account and the list of what those things are so that they don't lose benefits. In this particular situation that I'm talking about, this mother was placed on hospice at home. And of course, most of the medications were covered under the Medicare hospice. And so it didn't really behoove this family to go out and buy another Part B policy for prescriptions. She does have a Part B policy for her health care, which is really important and separate from Medicare. So there are a number of things that you need to really kind of be aware of, especially as a son or daughter, that their prescriptions might be broken out, their health care Part B might be broken out from their Medicare, and that usually is renewed every year, and hopefully it's automated. But if anything has changed, it's something that they could lose their benefits The other thing about that that this family encountered was when they went to inquire for this prescription plan 
to get a new benefit card, they were not able to access and request a benefit card because their mother wasn't really able to navigate the phone because they didn't have guardianship or legal papers. They couldn't even do something so simple as request a new card. And so that's really not looking at bank information. It's not really a HIPAA violation. These are just some of the things that you could encounter. I just want you to be aware of as you're taking on responsibility for your loved one or friend, there are things that could impact them over the course of the year or things that they're going to need that you may not really be aware of. Financial decisions. Managing money for people with Alzheimer's disease or related dementia, they often have problems managing their money. They may do pretty well with the general bank account and their savings and that sort of thing, but you might start seeing noticeable signs of decline when it comes to check writing. So check writing kind of takes abstract thinking, which is one of the first things that tends to go. And bill paying seems pretty easy and normally is not a problem, but abstract thinking is. Some of the things that you might see or encounter and you're going to want to monitor is, have they already paid the bill? Have they not paid the bill? Or have they paid it multiple times? And both of those scenarios can occur. So let me give you an example. I have encountered several families. And one of the situations was that a family member had gotten a new air conditioner for their home installed. And they had got it installed about a year earlier. And because they have dementia, they actually had a new one installed another year later. And the AC company actually took advantage of them. Obviously, if you were in air conditioning, you would know that the unit that they had was only a year old and didn't need to be replaced. Those are some of the things that you might see. You might see that they get fundraising ads and they might give large sums of money because their judgment is off limits. And it's not that you're taking advantage of whether they should give or not, but if their judgment has become impaired, certainly you want to guard and protect their finances because chances are that they're going to need their finances for their own care. So what we see is that when finances become a little bit more complicated, such as in stocks and bonds and making decisions about payments and bills that are already automated, they may have a difficult time not pay attention to that. And so a membership could lapse or they could pay it multiple times. And we see that when the situation gets worse with dementia. So obviously, as the dementia progresses, they lose that ability to handle a lot of money matters. So the other thing that we see frequently is that people may overpurchase things. I've seen people buy new cars every six months or buy a new car when they didn't need a new car kind of thing. And these aren't people that are just being extravagant. This is simply because their memory is impaired. They end up with 
this investment, this amount of money that it went, if they were thinking normally, this wouldn't occur. Now that's not as frequent as some of the other smaller things that you might see, but it's really something to consider when there are no protection or no one overseeing their finances to make sure that they're not taken advantage of, that they're not scammed. The more frequent thing that I see is the overbuying of household products. For instance, you might see someone that might go out and buy cases and cases and cases of toilet paper. I'm not talking about hoarding during the pandemic here. I'm talking about someone that finds it necessary to have more toilet paper than a person could use in a year or two. You might also find that they might be excessive in buying things like paper towels or bathroom towels or shampoos and soaps. I have gone into homes where I've opened the closets in the bathroom and the linen closets, and I found much more shampoo and soap and things than you would see in the local drugstore. These things can happen when people have dementia because their judgment gets clouded. And it can become a real problem. And if we're going to help them, then we need to kind of set some boundaries for them and really make sure that they're not spending foolishly when maybe they would have not done that in their life. The other thing and sign I've talked about unopened bills or unpaid bills, but the other thing that you might see is a lot of new purchases on credit cards or applications for multiple credit cards. I have come across numerous, numerous instances when people would find or when children started getting involved that their parent had used credit cards and run them up to twenty or $30,000 when really it wasn't necessarily something they would have done before. It wasn't necessary. They had the cash and the finances to pay for these items. They get into trouble with the credit cards. They apply for everyone that comes in the mail when they're financially secure. And normally their financial behavior would be that they would have a couple credit cards, but they would certainly pay them off every month. They would use them for more of a convenience instead of a like a bank card. We do see that quite often. And so I have had family members ask me, what do I do? And especially if finances are a concern when it comes to care, what do you do with a debt? If they have four or five, six credit cards that are 20,000, 30,000 a piece. And so that's the time that you really have to reach out for a financial expert. You have to reach out Definitely to, I would say, an elder law attorney or your family attorney if they're voiced, obviously, in working with seniors. This is the point where you have to have that expertise because there's some obligations. There are some things I think that can be done legally to protect the loved one or the person, especially if some of these things have occurred when they have dementia. There's certainly in every state, senior protection agencies and senior scams organizations within each state that can really step in and advise what needs to be done. Certainly when people have done things due to their dementia, I think that there is some grace, but you would certainly need to get some financial advice to make decisions on whether they eat 
or whether they pay these massive credit cards. It's just something that you need to kind of think about and look at. The other thing is um, strange new merchandise or lots of merchandise and bags, whether it be clothing or tech toys or whatever the case might be, QVC boxes all over the house. This again is another kind of hoarding behavior and a judgment behavior that can occur with dementia. Now, obviously people have the right to buy things. So I'm talking about something excessive here, but certainly it is something that has to be watched because you have to remember when your short-term memory declines, you don't remember that you bought something and you could buy the exact same thing over and over again. The other thing, and this is more of a senior scam, I think when it comes to a point that the family has to decide, when are we going to step in and get power of attorney at least preview uh, their bank account? Money can come up missing. Checks can be written with signatures that maybe you don't recognize. People coming into their home, especially if you live out of town, can take advantage of them housekeepers, lawn maintenance. There's a lot of people who have access to very kind seniors who could have dementia and want to excessively give or people just take advantage of seniors. Oftentimes, it's really something that you want to guard against abuse and fraud. And you see things like identity theft and all of that. But I'm going to move on here because there's some things I really want to get into today. And I just looked at a study that was published by the Journal of American Medicine, did a study and they linked Medicare claim data to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, the Equifax Consumer Credit Panel to track people's credit score and payments. And the study found that people with Alzheimer's disease and related dementias were more likely to miss bill payments up to six years before they were diagnosed than people who are never diagnosed. And I found that very, very interesting. So you're talking six years before a diagnosis of Alzheimer's or dementia, people's credit scores begin to wane. And some people, family members, friends, were sticklers about their bank account, their credit, paying their bills. I mean, I think that I've run across people that pay the bill before they get the bill. And you see that. So this is pretty interesting that there is a change in their credit score decline six years before diagnosis. I mean, that is some pretty interesting information. So it just goes to show you that things change long before we might be noticing. That's really important to know. The researchers also noted that people later diagnosed with dementia started to show subprime credit scores two and a half years before others. So those are really startling statistics, I think. I think one of the things that you should probably talk about early, especially if you're suspecting, is what are we going to do about finances and how are you going to safeguard finances? This can be a very sticky subject with seniors, especially who want to remain independent. But what are the safeguards? I mean, better have a safeguard 
than not have one and try and get one after they have dementia. It can be really difficult to navigate that guardianship or that financial durable power of attorney once somebody is into their dementia. Number one is if they're in denial and they don't feel like that they need it, but they are clearly confused, clearly going through some things, it can be very difficult to get the assistance that you need and to prove the dementia and the confusion during the time that you need it. I don't tell you how many times that I have run into this crisis with families and families aren't trying to take over. They are trying to guard their loved one in their loved one's uh, finances that they have worked very hard for and they need for their care. Not everyone has a lot of excessive finances available for their care. Dementia care can be very expensive. Memory care can be very expensive, upwards from six, seven, eight thousand. In some of the states in the United States, it's twelve thousand a month. So you're looking at long term, if they live long term, quite a bit of finances that you're going to want to safeguard for their care. But getting someone to cooperate when they think they're perfectly fine can be a difficult proposition. You don't want to get into that situation. You want to talk about it early. You want to safeguard your loved one, your parents by having those things in place. And certainly working with an attorney, you can do that early and it would only come into play if they were deemed incompetent or God forbid the situation came up where they couldn't handle their affairs. But let's face it, with dementia, that is going to happen. I mean, it's really part of what we see and trying to navigate that journey once you're in it can be very overwhelming. And certainly if your parents are in denial, it can really set you up to feel really torn. I mean, the last thing that you want to do is feel like you're going after your parents' finances, but at the same time, you don't want someone else to come in and steal what they have, what they work hard for. You probably feel obligated to protect them. I found this study was pretty interesting, and it just goes to show that we need to really look at things. Most of us are not even aware what our parents have. Maybe never looked at it, never thought to look at it, but it's something that as they begin to age, it's kind of a great part of healthcare planning is to look at the safeguards and what in agreement have it set up beforehand because it can really save you. Um, just think about not being able to order a replacement card. You're, you're talking about a replacement card, not finding out how much they pay for the Part B, not finding out the prescriptions. Hopefully you already know that, but just getting a replacement card, you're really not able to do that unless you have some of these things in place. So there are some other things that I want to get into today on the podcast to consider when someone you care about has dementia. So we've talked a little bit about the health renewals or health benefits. Do you even know what kind of health insurance that they have? I know there's a lot of confusion about Medicare and Medicaid. I'm not going to get into that today, but write this down because I want you to know the difference. So Medicare obviously is something that we are 
Uh, Medicaid is something that has to do with a financial qualification. And a lot of people don't qualify for Medicaid because they have too many finances. You don't have to be really wealthy to not qualify. You can simply be someone who has a high social security and some sort of little pension that can put you over the top. Knowing and understanding, do they have Medicare? Do they have a supplemental insurance policy? Who is it with? What's it look like? How about life insurance? So this is another life insurance renewals or benefits. A lot of times people in this age bracket, 70, 80, 90 years old, have bought life insurance back when they were working or before they retired. And is it term life insurance? What type of insurance is it? Can they cash it in? Does it end? So recently I dealt with a situation with an individual who had term life insurance. They'd paid for this policy since the 70s. And when they turned 85 years old, it went up tremendously. When they turned 90, it went up even more. And then it was due to end when they were 95. You're talking about a premium here that could be three, four hundred, five hundred dollars a month. That is something that you want to look at, talk to a financial expert or about is that policy that valuable or could they better use that premium for their health care, for their medication? It's not something that someone with dementia can navigate. They may say, I've paid for this forever. I don't want to get rid of it. But some of the policies that were bought in the 70s just don't have the value. Financially, you need to evaluate. Do they need the money for something else? How important is this? That is something that comes up the credit card debt and payments. If people have things automated or if they don't have them automated, chances are that they don't pay the payment. What is the payment? How many payments are there? It has probably ruined their credit. I see that over and over and over again. It wasn't neglectful. It's that they forget. Is the credit card company calling them on the phone? Are they agreeing to this huge amount to pay off. They really need financial guidance on that and someone to help them make those decisions. And I see that. It wouldn't be unusual for a credit card company to call and say, you owe 30000 on this credit card. Your minimum payment is $150. Would you like to pay it off? And they say, yes. I mean, this would not be highly unusual. They're not thinking straight. So it's really important that you look at those kind of things right away and get with a financial advisor, consolidate some of those cards and come up with a payment plan. Applying for multiple credit cards. For some reason, there seems to be a magnet that when people retire and get older, they get all of this mail, including free gifts, credit card sweepstakes, all of these things. And I have seen them apply for every single one. I have seen them donate to every sweepstakes, every fundraiser, and then they're going to get on a call list. They're going to, some seniors get over 50 scam calls a day or 50, do you want to purchase this calls a day? And somebody's got to monitor that for them and help them navigate that. Disregarding driver's license, taxes, and other important deadlines. Perhaps they still do have their driver's license and maybe they are driving. 
Okay. We've talked about that on another podcast, but perhaps they have a driver's license and could, are they meeting the renewal? Is there still a car? What about the tag? What about the registration? What about the insurance? Is that automated? I mean, how is that happening? Take a look at that. What are some of the other deadlines that maybe property taxes? Certainly I have seen people miss their property taxes for a number of years. And that can become very dangerous as people decline if they fail to pay taxes, IRS, property taxes, other types of taxes that you want to look at. Medication management is important. Are they opening their medicine? Are they taking their medicine? Are they taking it twice? Are they neglecting to fill some prescriptions? We really need to deal with a healthcare professional to really kind of look and see. The family can set up a pill minder and look at all of that. How do you know they're taking it? Are they responsible with their medication? Is there medication that could become dangerous? Are they disregarding their medication altogether? If they're diabetic, if they have other types of issues like thyroid, which is really common in seniors, this can really complicate their confusion and their dementia condition as well as other healthcare conditions. That is something to really take a look at. And while I'm on that, some seniors go to multiple doctors and in going to multiple doctors, they may have multiple prescriptions for similar type of things. That is something that you want to monitor. There is no system that manages how many doctors they go to. And they go to multiple doctors many times and one doesn't know about the other. So they could be in danger of having too much medication or multiple medication or what we call polypharmacy. And perhaps the doctor ordered something three years ago that they no longer need or require, and they have continued to take it. So we see that. They will save prescriptions. They will not discard outdated medication. And you'll go in and find a cupboard of outdated antibiotics or antibiotics they haven't finished. All of those things can be very dangerous to seniors in general, but especially someone who has dementia. Over-exaggerating an illness, pain, or timeline of an incident such as a fall. Because they cannot keep things clear, oftentimes when they're presented in a situation with home health care or presenting at the ER, which happens quite often, or seeing their doctor, they may over-exaggerate the pain that they're in, or if they had a fall, I know that many of the clients I've worked with fell last year and to them, they fell last week and sustained an injury and they're in pain and, and all of these things. And I'm not denying that they might be in pain. I'm just saying arthritic pain is very different than acute pain. The last thing that you want is for them to get a prescription for acute pain when they might just be having arthritic pain, which a doctor would treat very differently. They get focused on their health in situations, and frankly, they may over-exaggerate. You need to monitor that, clear timelines for them without correction, but just say, yes, they did fall last year, but really have done well, or they might be complaining twice a week that their hip is hurting or something like that. 
But that's really important. We see polypharmacy way too frequently that we see elders not having good med management, which can complicate the course of their life. Eating outdated or spoiled food. Many seniors will not throw out food. They don't look at expiration dates and they can get very sick by eating spoiled or outdated food. Additionally, as dementia progresses, they may fail to eat. They may lose their appetite or do quite the opposite. They may overeat. They may forget that they've eaten and eat very, very frequently. And we see that happening. So that's something to really look for, especially if they don't have a caregiver and you're just checking in on them. Not drinking water or other fluids. Dehydration is very real in seniors and geriatrics in general, but certainly with people with dementia. They seem to have an adversity or they think they drank water and they can go all day and not have drank enough fluids to hydrate them. So this is going to be really important, especially if they tend to focus on things like coffee. Certainly coffee can cause dehydration. It certainly isn't used for hydration. Certainly other fluids, juices and water and other things. Check and see, are they drinking water? Are they drinking other liquids? And are they dehydrated? Drinking coffee in the late afternoon or thinking it's morning. So many people get confused. And so when they get up, a lot of times they'll think the day has passed or they've slept overnight. And I have seen people go and make coffee at seven or eight o'clock at night. And then they're up all night because they confused evening with morning. And so oftentimes when they get up, they presume it's time. They drink coffee. They have an adverse effect and they're up the entire night which is not a good thing. What is their coffee? Can they switch to decaf? Especially if sleep is a problem for them and they don't get enough of it, if they could possibly switch to decaf, that might help with their insomnia or their ability to sleep and rest. People who do not sleep well do experience more confusion. Using a product the wrong way. This is another subject that that I like to talk about. One uh, particular woman who's near and dear to my heart, uses certain products for everything. And you'll find that if they like a product or they have a product, they may tend to use it for everything. It's really important that you monitor products and chemicals that are in the household and how they are used. There are caustic products that probably are good to secure Certainly in the later stages, we definitely want to secure things that can be toxic, but you'll find that they may use a product on everything and think that it's good for everything. Windex or Dawn Power Wash or whatever the case might be, but we do see that they use products. And so if it's caustic or toxic, you're going to want to remove that item and make sure that they only have non-toxic items or items that aren't going to ruin their clothing or be toxic to them. And then the last thing that you want to watch for is fixations. And I'm going to tie this back to hoarding or overbuying. People who have dementia will often overfocus on a situation or problem or something they kind of need solved. With that, they will try and work through that. Um, Remember, problem solving becomes kind of difficult for people as they progress through their dementia. 
it may be the focus throughout the day and the next day and the next day. And they can fixate on a situation as simple as getting the sink fixed or getting a stain out of a garment or a doctor's appointment that's coming up in a month. How are they going to get there? The fixation has no real rhyme or reason. It can be that they want to be sure and watch the five o'clock news. And here it is nine o'clock in the morning. They're fixated on the situation and timelines become fuzzy. Judgment becomes fuzzy, all of those. And it becomes different for the individual, depending on the type of dementia that they have and the progression and the factors. If it seems important to them, it needs to seem important to you. Giving them an answer or reasoning with them probably is not going to go over so well. They're justifying what they're doing and saying, so normally the best approach is to problem solve for them and say, oh, well, no problem. I will make sure that 15 minutes till five that I remind you and we'll turn on the news and watch it together. Or I just used a new plumber and I will call them and We'll talk about getting your sink fixed or whatever the case might be, because they're not going to be able to overcome that situation. They will become fixated on it. For those of you out there listening, I really appreciate you listening. I like to talk about things that you're going to encounter or you do encounter. This isn't something you can Google, but it's something that happens. It's kind of beyond the dementia diagnosis. It's really kind of beyond how they progress or their care. They're just things that you need to do for people that you love and you know that can be hard to navigate at times. Think outside of the box and kind of prepare for those things, especially if it has to do with their well-being and checking on cards and things and making sure that their bills are paid and that they have the things that they need. This is really important. Even if you inquire about medications and things, that can be a HIPAA violation. And the pharmacist isn't really able to discuss those things with you. So you really have to kind of start watching, keep a little folder, a little notebook, start looking for these things the next time you go and visit or you encounter, or if you have a newly diagnosed friend or parent or loved one, it's something you're going to want to talk about up front and just say, these things are liable to happen and we want to safeguard it now. I'm here with your best interest in mind. I often see most times daughters, sons, they just have a hard time navigating these kind of situations and Things can turn out not so positively, especially if a loved one is left to their own devices. Certainly a situation that I want to briefly go over before I end the podcast today. But if you live out of state, children of parents who may be declining, one or both are declining, and you live out of state, just take some time when you're having a conversation or the next time you visit for the holiday to look around the house, look around the home, the condo, the apartment, Just look for some of these things that might be out of the ordinary. If your parent was spotless before and there's a lot of clutter, if they were spotless in their dressing and how they kept themselves, look for that kind of thing. If you're seeing piles of bags of things that they seem to have purchased, a lot of things that aren't even being touched or just things that are out of the ordinary. If there's a lot of expired food in the cupboard or things are piled up and the refrigerator isn't being cleaned. These are just signs and things that the person needs help. They're declining. Maybe their house is extremely dirty. 
and you're just not really used to that, start looking and asking questions. Obviously, you might be a long ways from the next steps, right, of guardianship or even power of attorney, but it's certainly when you want to turn the light on and to be able to examine some of these things. There are things other than healthcare that you're going to encounter, and there are things that you want to start putting into place, asking yourself, is there anything I can do? What can I do in advance? Safeguarding. Unfortunately, I have dealt with a lot of families that their parent was scammed or they have wasted a lot of things. And certainly we don't want to see that happening. I just want to encourage you on your dementia journey today. I hope that you find the podcast useful. I hope that you will continue to not only tune in, but to share the podcast with your friends and family. And I hope that you will visit us often and that some of the things that you hear are going to be useful in your dementia journey. Until next time, I'm Dawn Platt, and I hope that you can find some joy on the journey. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us for the Disappearing Mind podcast. We hope it's helped you find clarity and support along your journey. Be sure to subscribe to never miss an episode visit our website to suggest future topics and share the podcast with friends and family.